kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's another Monday night. In fact, it's March 23rd, 2015. It's roughly around 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. With me is the ever so bubbly and vivacious Miss Jeannie Kay. Hi, Jeannie. How are you this evening? Bubbly. Yeah, me too. And uh, Barry's back tonight. The best producer money can't buy. I uh, thank you, Barry. <laughs> I know you're not well, and I know you're not going to have a fun day tomorrow. I'm sorry about that. Oh no, no, no! It's Thursday that I'm not going to have the fun day. Well, you know. Ah, oh, um, I know everyone is used to Alex coming on very early, but. Being that we're deep in the heart of horrible, horrible legislative season, he's not going to be here till seven or seven thirty. Um, it's uh, it's always a matter of timing with these things. So we usually start the show off talking about vaping, and uh, I'm going to do that. Um, shit, where did I put that link? Because this actually wasn't even in my notes. Um, This is brand new today. A glimpse into the regulatory future of vaping. And Oliver Kershaw wrote this. You know him. He owns ECF. And if you don't know him, he owns ECF. Eric Lindblom, Senior Scholar at the O'Neill Institute for National and Global Health Law and former Senior Advisor to the FDA Center for Tobacco Products, has published a lengthy report in the Food and Drug Law Journal entitled Effectively Regulating E-Cigarettes and Their Advertising and the First Amendment. I've read this. It's pretty not great. Um, There's a link to download this report if you want. Um, can somebody put that in the chat if I stick it in here? It's, it's, um, 
it's it's something you're probably not going to want to read, but you probably should read it. This is an important document which gives great insight into the legal thought that will inform the FDA's actions going forward. Fundamentally, Lynn Bloom supposes that the scientific questions as to safety, gateways, dual use, succession, efficiency, and so forth do not need to be resolved prior to the issuance of the regulation, since the law will allow the FDA to resolve these questions at its leisure once it's in place. At the very core of Mr. Lynn Bloom's argument is the following logic chain. As a result of the Tobacco Act and deeming regulation, one, all e-cigarettes marketed after February 15, 2007 are legal unless they receive new tobacco product authorization. Most won't, if any at all. Two, since e-cigarettes currently available were developed after February 2007, they will be illegal. Three, the FDA has significant enforcement discretion and stated in the deeming proposal that it would consider revising its compliance policy should the agency find that doing so is warranted, such as to better protect the public health. This includes the selective enforcement or the deeming regulation, allowing illegal products to remain on the market under certain circumstances. This is somewhat of a dismal future for those unable to gain new tobacco product authorization. Potentially everyone, and Jeannie can attest to that in a minute. A future in which their products are subject to instantaneous removal from the marketplace at the whims of the FDA. The rest of this document consists of declarations as to what the FDA should insist on, and again, this is pretty dismal reading for most all vapors and those in the industry. Marketing. Lindblom more or less suggests a total prohibition on any, save for direct mails and emails to pre-registered confirmed smokers. Flavorings. While not specifically calling for their blanket ban, Lindblom arguably comes very close Firstly, by suggesting that the FDA could, quote, ban e-cigarette flavors that could attract youth, if doing that would discourage e-cig use among youth and non-smokers, and not disproportionately reduce constructive e-cigarette use as an alternative to smoking. How on earth can they determine this? Secondly, he states, prohibit potentially harmful contaminants in the nicotine-containing liquids and ban ingredients other than nicotine or other, any other ingredients necessary to the operation of the e-cigarette that might be harmful when converted from liquid to aerosol form and inhaled. Well, what if flavors are only slightly harmful but render e-cigarettes much more palatable to smokers? Remember that tobacco flavor in e-cigarettes is just that, an added flavor. General Considerations Limit the voltage or temperatures that e-cigarettes can produce to turn their liquid into an aerosol vapor as there is evidence that high temperatures and voltages can expose users to higher, more harmful levels of formaldehyde than cigarettes and viable lower voltages and temperatures produce no exposure. So bye-bye mech mods and devices without temperature protection. Some reading this might think that the above are very good things. I would invite them to look at the FDA workshops and see whether they believe the FDA is taking its advice from dispassionate observers capable of steering e-cigarettes in the interest of public health or whether we're about to witness the other destruction of a movement. Yeah. Only Congress can change things now. Yeah. I'm not, uh, think I came to that 
realization quite a while ago about Congress. And that's why when Jeannie said on her show one night, is there anything, is there anything you can recommend? Is there anything you would tell people? And I said, I would look into the RAINS Act. I still think the RAINS Act is viable if you can get enough people behind it. Jeannie, thoughts? I think it's really sad and pathetic that we may be getting to the point where only Congress can save us because they give less of a fuck than the FDA. Yeah. Well, um, that report, still pressure. That, that report, all you need to say about it is a certain drooling lunatic in California Loves really it. likes it. He loves it. He, he was spamming. Uh, he was spamming that shit all over the place. He was dry humping that. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did not need that picture of the Michelin Man humping a freaking PDF in my mind. <laughs> well, you know, I've got to put it in perspective for the audience. <laughs> he was. He was all over it, saying, "Oh, it's it's reasonable regulation." Sure, it is. Yeah, if he uses uh, the word reasonable, you know you're in trouble. And since as you're talking about vaping, I am pasting the link to the Kasak call to action page Mm -hmm. into the chat. Okay. Uh, You know, I did this on Thursday night. I told people it is time. You you have to do something now. I mean, if people have been sitting on their asses thinking that, you know, well, when it gets serious, I'll do something. It's serious. (laughs) It, it was serious. It was serious when when uh, Enjoy took the FDA to court. It's been serious for six years. It's not yeah. going to stop being serious anytime soon. Two thousand and nine. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. yeah. I mean, at, at this point, you you could be tomorrow. They could finalize the deeming regulations. Not, and that means you've got what twenty one days or something. Yeah. After that, got, before everything I disappears. Think, yeah. They can do pretty much what they want because Congress said to them, and fuck you, Ted Kennedy, swimmer, bastard. This is all your fault because, oh, your dying wish was to grant the FDA the ability to regulate tobacco and Congress just fucking fell in line with you. Thank you. Now, go fuck yourself because I hope you're rotting in hell. Sorry. Really not a fan of the swimmer from Chappaquiddick. I'm not. I don't like that guy. And I don't like the fact that he pulled the manipulation. Oh, I'm dying. I'm dying. This is my final wish. And Congress just went, okay. That's bullshit. That's the only reason Congress gave up that ability is because it looked, it was a public relations move. And now it's going to bite them in the ass. Every time Congress has given away the ability to make legislation by allowing another regulatory agency to pop up and do it for them, they've fucked themselves over. And people are unhappy. Nobody likes having all these regulations passed because regulations, in essence, the way they're enforced, are laws. We've taken lawmaking, which is in the very first part of the Constitution, the very founding document we've taken that right that only congress may make legislation and just thrown it the fuck away to this regulatory agency to that regulatory agency congress has given away its ability 
to make laws to the executive. That's illegal. So that's everything those fucking agencies have ever done is technically illegal. And nobody else wants to say that, but it's the absolute truth. You have to sit down and read these documents with an actual understanding of what they're about. And that is absolutely true. The FDA, the EPA, all of those agencies are technically illegal. And everything they do, every action they've carried out is technically illegal. I'm sorry. I, well, I went well, off on a rant. Up, it is messed up over your way. Because from what I understand, all the stuff the FBI gets up to should technically all be being done by the U.S. Marshal Service. Yeah. Because they basically There's, got the same remit. Both. Well, I mean, it's really funny because um, I've been watching a lot of, of Jacob Applebaum stuff. Like, in the last week, I've just been binging on his stuff. And, you know, you wonder why this guy lives in Germany. He's basically said, okay, this is what this agency is doing. This is how you protect yourself. Um, This is what that agency is doing. This is how you protect yourself. And basically, what I can gather about our country's intelligence gathering capabilities with malware, with spyware with computer chips that they embed in your system, with whatever they want to do. There's only two things that can save you from that. You build your own equipment, and you have to have complete, con- complete ability to oversee all the construction from the ground up to ensure that no one's fucking with your shit. And you've got to write your own software. Anything that's commercially available is probably infected or has a backdoor written into it. And that's some scary shit. But when I go back even further than that, I have to ask myself, why do we have so many federal agencies that have essentially the same capabilities? The FBI and CIA can do the same thing. In fact, I think it's the CIA that gave dirt boxes, started using actually dirt boxes over in Iraq, if I'm not mistaken about that and that later turned into you know well they're also using technology them in, they're also using them in south america yeah to uh, um, find the drug production facilities well, deniability. but what i'm saying is every fucking agency has the same ability from your local policemen to the fbi to the cia so why the fuck do we have so many of them Just make it at the local level. Cut it off at its knees. Bring it down to the local level where the people actually have some control over it. Because when you get up to the congressional level and the federal level, you have no control over fuck anything. At all. And that's why, and you and I talked about it a little bit last week, about all of those, all of those police All of the police, I don't even know what you call them. Um, They're all spread out um, precincts. All of those precincts opting in to become, you know, a federal agency. You know, these are people that are supposed to be protecting you at a local level and you have some sort of say over it. But now they're taking and federalizing that. And it's a pilot program. There's only six cities doing it now. But it's scary as fuck. Do you want the federal government able to arrest you for whatever? 
I, I don't trust the federal government. Do you? Why the hell would we do that? Nobody. Nobody trusts them. And how can you? You know, you, you know what they're doing is A, highly illegal, and B, nobody calls them on it. And I can't imagine why nobody calls them on it. But nobody does. Okay, so basically, what have we learned so far today? The FDA is technically illegal by the Constitution. Congress gave away its ability to create legislation, and that's a right they were fundamentally given in the Constitution. So the way that most laws are delivered to people today, there is no accountability because it all comes from the executive. No one has any say over what the executive does. That's a problem. There's a reason there were three branches of government in this country, and that was supposed to create and keep some sort of balance, which we don't have. And yeah, things are really screwed up this way. I don't know what we're going to do about it. On that note, let's plunge deeper into the screwed up shit, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Thomas. Okay. Here we go. U.S. threatened Germany over Snowden, Vice Chancellor says. The Vice Chancellor delivered a speech in which he praised the journalists who worked on the Snowden archive then lamented the fact that Snowden was forced to seek refuge in Vladimir Putin's autocratic Russia because no other nation was willing and able to protect him from threats of imprisonment by the U.S. government. This prompted the audience, an audience member, to interrupt his speech and yell out, why don't you bring him to Germany then? There has been a sustained debate in Germany over whether to grant asylum to Snowden, and a major controversy arose last year when a parliamentary committee investigating the NSA spying divided as to whether to bring Snowden to testify in person and then narrowly refused at the behest of the Merkel government. In response to the audience interruption, Gabriel claimed Germany would be legally obligated to extradite Snowden to the U.S. if he were on German soil. Afterward, however, this was written by Glenn Greenwald, by the way. A lot of, a lot of tonight's stuff comes from The Intercept. Um, afterward, however, when I pressed the vice chancellor, who's also the head of the Social Democratic Party, as well as the country's economy and energy minister, as to why the German government could not and would not offer Snowden asylum, which under international law negates the asylee's status as a fugitive, he told me that the U.S. government had aggressively threatened the Germans that if they did so, they would be cut off from all intelligence sharing. That would mean if the threat were carried out, that the Americans would literally allow the German population to remain vulnerable to a brain attack discovered by Americans by withdrawing that information from their government. This is not the first time the U.S. has purposely threatened an allied government to withhold evidence of a possible terror plot as a punishment. In 2009, a British national, Brian Mohammed, sued the U.K. government for complicity in his torture at Bagram and Guantanamo. The High Court ordered the UK government to provide Mohammed's lawyers with notes and other documents reflecting what the CIA told British intelligence agents about Mohammed's abuse. In response, the UK government insisted that the High Court must reverse that ruling because the safety of British subjects would be endangered if the ruling stood. 
Their reasoning? The U.S. government had threatened the British that they would stop sharing intelligence, including evidence of terror plots, if they disclosed what the Americans had told them in confidence about Mohammed's treatment, even if the disclosure were ordered by the High Court as part of a lawsuit bought by a torture victim. British government lawyers even produced a letter from an unnamed Obama official laying out that threat. In the Mohammed case, it is quite plausible that the purposed threat was actually the byproduct of collaboration between U.S. and U.K. governments as it gave the British a weapon to try and scare the court into vacating its ruling. You're putting the lives of British subjects in danger by angering the Americans. In other words, it is quite conceivable that the British asked the Americans for a letter setting forth such a threat to enable them to bully the British court into reversing its disclosure order. In the case of Germany, no government official has previously claimed that they were threatened by the U.S. as an excuse for turning their backs on Snowden, whose disclosures helped Germany as much as any population outside of the U.S., Pointing to such threats could help a German public official, such as the vice chancellor, justify what is an otherwise indefensible refusal to protect the NSA whistleblower from persecution at home, though it seems far more plausible, given far more extremist U.S. behavior in the Snowden case, that Gabriel's claims are accurate. Nonetheless, one of two things is true. The U.S. actually threatened Germany that it would refrain from notifying them of terrorist plots against German citizens, thus deliberately leaving them vulnerable to violent attacks, or some combination of high officials from the U.S. and our German governments are invoking such fictitious threats in order to manipulate and scare the German public into believing that asylum for Snowden will endanger their lives. Both are obviously noteworthy, though it's hard to say which is worse. Yeah, that pretty much sucks. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think he's spot on with the British government thing. They they didn't threaten them. They didn't need to. We, no, I mean, we, we've heard over the last few weeks just how deep the UK government is in this uh, sort of shit. Well, <laughs> what could America going... threaten them with? Since we're we'll going take there. away the data sharing and you provide most of the data. Oh, hang on. <laughs> Since we're going there, UK government admits intelligence services allowed to break into any system, anywhere, for any reason. Recently, TechDirt noted that the FBI may soon have permission to break into computers anywhere on the planet. Isn't that nice? It will come as no surprise to learn that the U.S.'s partner in crime, the UK, granted similar powers to its own intelligence services some time back. What's more unexpected is that it is now publicly said as much as Privacy International explains. The British government has admitted its intelligence services have the broad power to hack into personal phones, computers, and communications networks, and claims they are legally justified to hack anyone anywhere in the world, even if the target is not a threat to national security, nor suspected of any crime. That's important. That important admission was made in what the UK government calls its open response to court cases stated last year against GCHQ. Here's what it reveals, according to Privacy International. Buried deep within the document, government lawyers claim that while the intelligence services require authorization to hack into the computer and mobile phones of, quote, intelligence targets, GCHQ is equally permitted to break into computers anywhere in the world 
even if they are not connected to a crime or a threat to national security. Moreover, the intelligence services assert the right to exploit communications networks and covert maneuvers that severely undermine the security of the entire Internet. The deployment of such powers is confirmed by recent news stories detailing how GCHQ hacked into Belgicom using the malware Rain and targeted Gemalto, the world's largest maker of SIM cards used in countries around the world. What's important about this revelation is not just the information itself. Many people had assumed this was the case. But the fact that once more, bringing court cases against UK's GCHQ has ferreted out numerous details that were previously secret. This shows the value of the strategy and suggests it should be used again where possible. So, yeah. Everybody's in it. Yeah. And GCHQ has that lovely take-all program. Yep. Well, as it says there, anywhere in the world, anytime. Well, all of... The thing that's hard to explain to people is, like, my husband's computer's across the house from me. Yeah. I turn on my computer and I send him an email. You would think that would go quickly. Oh, no, 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 no. It gets routed through ports all around the world before it ends up in his email inbox. By that point, it's gone through the telecom cables in the UK. And, of course, it's being sat on somewhere, stored somewhere. Oh, I mean, it goes much deeper than that. Uh, You know all these communication satellites? Most Mm -hmm. of the uh, communication systems in those were built in the UK. Even the Russian ones. That's what our country specialises in. (laughs) We don't have much industry (laughs) left, but the ones we do have do really good stuff. And really bad stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, all all these, uh, just about every satellite in the sky that's been put up in the last 40 years has British communications technology on it. Mm, Yay! It's all made in a little lab down in Bristol or something, Oh, how about I lighten this a little bit? (laughs) Barbie joins the growing chorus of people and devices spying on you. Samsung recently took a significant media beating after people actually bothered to read the company's privacy policy, only to discover that the company's smart TVs were collecting snippets of living room conversation and transmitting them to third parties for analysis. Samsung ultimately issued a blog post stating it was only collecting a limited amount of voice data to improve voice command functionality. Of course, they were only collecting a limited amount of data. You can trust us. Besides, said Samsung, if you don't want your voice commands connected, you can disable the functionality, even though you lose some of the core TV features in the process. And you paid an extra $300 for the fucking TV, but okay. Of course, while Samsung got the brunt of public public and media hysteria, Many people didn't seem to realize that nearly everything that takes voice commands from your home automation system to your iPhone already engages in the same behavior. Case in point, Mattel is taking more than a little heat for the company's new Hello Barbie, which connects to Wi-Fi and also records kids' voice commands and routes them to an external server in order to improve voice command tech. There's a video, and it's fucking terrible. Um, and somebody will have to grab that link. 
from February, Mattel shows how Barbie now stores your preferences and even provides career advice. Groups like Campaign for a Commercial-Free Childhood weren't impressed and see this as the opening salvo in a disturbing trend in marketing to children. Imagine your children playing with a Wi-Fi-connected doll that records their conversations and then transmits them to a corporation, which analyzes every word to learn all of the child's likes and dislikes. That's exactly what Mattel's eavesdropping Hello Barbie will do if released this fall as planned. But we can stop it. Kids using Hello Barbie won't be ta- only be talking to a doll. They'll be talking directly to a toy conglomerate whose only interest in them is financial. It's creepy and creates a host of dangers for children and families. Children naturally reveal a lot about themselves while they play. In Mattel's demo, Barbie asks many questions that encourage kids to share information about their interests, their families, and more. Information advertisers can use to market unfairly to children. While the CFCC works to keep the toy from store shelves, Mattel is promising that security and privacy has been their top priority. You can trust them, too. While creating a doll that learns what kids like. Mattel and Toy Talk, the San Francisco-based startup that created the technology used in the doll, say privacy and security of the technology have been their top priority. Mattel is committed to safety and security, and Hello Barbie conforms to applicable government standards. That's not saying much, Mattel said in a statement. The problem is we've seen repeatedly how the company's refreshing face for first towards the billions in potential revenues from the Internet of Things market are so fixated on profit that security and privacy have been afterthoughts, if a thought at all. It doesn't matter if we're talking about smart TVs with trivial to non-existent security or easily hacked smart car tech. Companies are showing again and again that privacy and security aren't really paramount. That's before we even discuss how this collected voice data creates a wonderful new target for nosy governments, courtesy of the third-party doctrine. So while some of this hysteria over what's being collected veers into hyperbole territory, the cardboard-grade security and privacy standards most companies are adopting certainly create cause for concern. The good news, I suppose, the smarter our products get, the bigger the market is for dumb products that just sit there and do what they're supposed to, whether it's a television that just displays the damn signal sent to it or an utterly <laughs> insentient doll that just shuts up, smiles, and drinks its fake tea. I think that was pretty dead on. I don't yeah. know. Second dodgy smart doll to come on the market. I don't... Did you see the previous one where oh, hackers gosh. hacked it and had... It's the one that can also connect to the internet and you can ask it questions. And it looks up Google and gives answers. <laughs> no. Within 24 hours of it coming out, people had hacked it and had them swearing. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of awesome. Yeah. But similar thing, yeah. Jeannie, what do you think about that? Would you buy your grandkids a doll that connected to the internet and talk to them? I don't buy my grandkids dolls. Okay. I I don't. Um, when when grandma buys stuff, grandma buys stuff like tablets and <laughs> matchbox cars and crafting stuff. And nice. yeah, no, I I was never uh, very much of a doll kid. Yeah. To begin with, and 
you know. Now I, it's just I have a, a slight tomboy streak. I do too, but I've got this really weird collection of like creepy dolls and coffins. They're actually kind of cool. I don't I'm not much of a I'm not much of a girly person, but I like my dolls. They just don't look very lively. That's good cuz you know, they just sit there, play dumb and drink their pretend tea. Kidding. They're just like real models, though. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah. I don't even, I don't even know what the hell people are thinking. I mean, this is almost as bad as the story we talked about at one week, where that company in Sweden was taking and putting the chips into the people that work there. So that they didn't have to like pay for their lunch in the cafeteria or manually open a door. I'm like, really? What is so fucking hard about paying for something or opening a door? I mean, is that little bit of convenience really worth getting a chip implanted in you? It just seems strange to me. But um, when they talked to the guy who ran the company, he said, well, you know, we know at some point this technology is... That's all there's going to be. You're going to have a chip in your hand, and that's how you're going to pay for everything. Yeah. So Everybody's we want to get the tech. A smart NFC chip, yes. I'd rather not, you know. Um, yeah, I'm but- already uncomfortable with the level of... Um, I'm uncomfortable with the level of my life that I share with technology right now. Well, on no. the plus side, a lot of this wireless contact technology doesn't work properly. Mm. Well, the I know this because you know I've got I've got two Samsung phones at the minute, uh-huh. and and to get data from one to the other, you should just be able to put them back to back, mm-hmm. and they should communicate and automatically send it. Doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> one of the big selling points of the whole you know thing doesn't and, work, and it's a lie. Yeah, that's shocking. Jeannie, you were saying? I couldn't uh, hear. Biometric you. story scares me more than the the Barbie story. Um, you know, I mean, spying on children is just sick. But yeah, um, Jan, I yeah. am flying to Chicago next month. <laughs> do you want to do the? <laughs> I'm assuming we want to do the the traveling story next. Well, well, so you know, I'm going to have a TSA rant when I come back. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Well, I was going to ask if you wanted to do the the traveling story next because yeah, since yeah cause it, this this story disturbs me. <laughs> the, oh. the, uh, there's a lot of them that disturb me, and and the worst part is like these are not things that you find. These are well thought out, well researched, well written articles by real journalists, not some guy sitting in mom's basement. Yeah, and people so, think wearing tinfoil hats. And yeah. it's just I know. it's like, out there. You just have to read the stuff. All you have to do is read it. I got and a new cell phone over the weekend, Jan. Oh God. Okay. I did. Um, I got a new oh. cell phone over the weekend, and had to go through. And do you realize that a lot of these smartphones, that if you disable the voice options, it can cause system instabilities, and the seven hundred dollars cell phone doesn't work. Of course. <laughs> well, well, there are ways of disabling it without that happening, but yeah. Well, yeah, but you, you need to get a guide from someone who knows what they're doing, and yeah. most of us are. Well, I got the droid 
forum, I think is uh, what well, yeah, the XDA. I love the XDA forum. Love yeah. the XDA forum. I'm telling you what, my 10.1 inch tablet, my Galaxy tablet, was not working right the other day. Very, it was in a constant reboot. Oh, loop. and I yeah, was like, those, those oh, what the fuck? What am I gonna <laughs> do? Kindle had updated uh, automatically, and something in the Kindle update didn't update correctly. Yeah, there was a glitch. Yeah. God, I got it. Yeah, XDA saved my life because, you know, I would die. <laughs> Not literally die, well, that's but where I want to die. That's, that's where yeah. I track down my custom ROMs for my phones. Yeah, yeah I, love, I love the XDA forum. Uh, people on there are absolutely amazing. Well, that's what I mean. That's but, all, the, all the disabling, all the voice shit and all that on my phone. Yeah, XDA yeah. forums. I I had a conversation with my husband the other day, Jan, and I'm like, you know, all this voice-activated stuff, all these voice commands and everything, do you realize that they can take that data and do whatever they want with it, and we agreed to it? And he's like, well, yeah, I guess, you know, I mean, uh, fuck it, what do I care if they're listening to my conversations? And I'm like, but you should. But that's your digital, again, that is your digital liberty. People are calling it privacy. We're not taking it seriously enough. Do you know what I mean? If you call it digital liberty, it becomes something else. It, it should become higher up on the list of priorities of things you want to protect. Because we don't, we call it privacy. We laugh about it. And we know that we're on some list for something we've said or my entire Facebook page um, has probably got me on, you know, more than one list somewhere. Because I don't think there's a good government thing on there. Um, and that's, I'm fine with that but there's still that that feeling that nobody takes this shit seriously if you don't start taking it seriously now when do you take it seriously when all that stuff that's sitting in some NSA warehouse in Utah somewhere is suddenly used against you is that when it becomes serious is that when it matters do you know what I mean you know um it's it's a harsh thing to say, but British sci-fi writers have been talking about this shit for a very long time now. <laughs> I know. I know. And this, the way America's going, Judge Dredd, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I... I, I uh, now I'm really uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, I would rather not have someone who's judge, jury, and executioner, although, hey... I've got the executive branch making the laws, enforcing the laws, and gathering, you know, law enforcement capabilities under its umbrella. So, yeah, but all, all, what that, the all hell? that weird sci fi stuff that British writers wrote in the 80s is coming true. It's worrying. Well, no, I think it has to, you have to go back even further than that. Well, you yeah. have to go back H. to Wells Orwell. H.G. Yeah. Wells, you have to go back to Orwell. You have to really read this stuff with. You have to almost read this stuff, forgetting everything you know about right now. And then when you're done, you go, holy shit. I'm, I'm still waiting, though, the, the 2000 AD reference. Just great. <laughs> I'm still waiting. There has not yet been a company selling belly wheels, but it can't be far off. I would, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, so, since Jeannie talked about the airport... <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Upcoming biometric experiments at U.S. Customs. And by the way, 
I think at the bottom of this story, um, yeah, there's a scribbed document. Please put it in the chat so people don't think I'm fucking insane. Thank you. Written by Lorenzo Franceschi Bracheri. The Facial Recognition Pilot Program, launched last week by U.S. Customs and Border Protection, which civil liberties advocates say could lead to new potentially privacy-invading programs, is just the first of three biometric experiments that the feds are getting ready to launch. The three experiments involve new controversial technologies like iris and face scanner kiosks, which CPB plans to deploy at the Mexican border, and facial recognition software, according to a leaked document obtained by Motherboard. This is from Vice Magazine, by the way. All three pilots are part of a broader customs and border protection program to modernize screenings at American entry and exit ports, including at the highly politicized Mexican border, with the aid of new biometric technologies. The program is known as Apex Air Entry and Exit Reengineering Project. Why do they, the A-E-E-R project, why does everything have to be such a mouthful with the government? According to the leaked slides, and there are leaked slides, these pilot programs have the goal of identifying and implementing biometric technologies that can be used at American borders to improve the immigration system as well as U.S. national security, according to the slides. Isn't that nice? They love us so much. Isn't that nice? The facial recognition pilot is up and running at Washington Dulles International Airport, as first reported as operational by Motherboard, while the other two programs appear to have not been deployed yet. Unlike the facial recognition one, the other two appear to only target foreigners. Appear to. The CBP did not respond to Motherboard's questions regarding these programs. The slides were leaked to Motherboard by Ajun Satai, the American Civil Liberties Union Legislative Council, who attended a presentation held on March 10th at CPB headquarters. The second pilot is called Biometric Exit Mobile Experiment and has the goal of helping CPP confirm with certainty that foreign travelers have departed the United States. As part of this experiment, the slides say that the CPP officer at the Atlanta Hartsfield International Airport will use a handheld device to record the exit of a foreign national from the U.S. and create a match with the person's entry records in order to figure out whether a foreigner has stayed in the U.S. more than he or she was allowed to. It's unclear what the device actually does, but according to another person who attended the presentation at CPP, the device is probably a fingerprint reader. The third pilot part, pilot is called Pedestrian Biometric Experiment, and it will be deployed at the Ote Mesa border between the United States and Mexico, according to the slides. This experiment has the goal of testing the viability of facial and iris image capture in land border, such as the one in Ote Mesa, and to create an additional layer of security <laughs> at the U.S. southern border. <coughs> to combat national security and public safety threats. The CBP will install devices capable of scanning a traveler's face and iris, replacing existing entry kiosks, the agency explains in the slides. Other gizmos to be deployed include RFID document readers, iris biometric scanners, 
and facial biometric cameras, according to a sketch of the border station included in the slides. Which is just fucking creepy. While both these two programs, as well as the facial recognition one, are just experiments at the moment, privacy advocates warn that there's a risk of mission creep. That never happens. It's just silly. And that technologies like those used for these experiments could soon be deployed more widely. Moreover, given the ever-increasing political pressure to secure the border with Mexico, the third program has good chances to be fully implemented. The public should take notice, Satai, of the ACLU told Motherboard. These programs may be coming to a theater near you. Yay! I I would never shed your crazy saying this story. (laughs) Uh, the British government was doing this shit 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the well, facial recognition stuff especially has been around a long, long time. What's really interesting, have you ever seen, um, have you ever seen, the, there's actually a group of people, and this is so weird, who are, and it's now weird, because we should not be comfortable with being surveilled. Okay, it's mass surveillance. We should not be comfortable with it. And most of us really are, Uh, you know, Um, but there's a group of people that they have this. They do these cosmetic changes with different colors of cosmetics and they wear their hair a certain way and it's called Dazzle and Dazzle fools all the the um, the TV, the the. The cameras that pick you up and yep. and that's some that's interesting. I wonder if we're going to see more of that, or if that's just a total fad that's going to go away. Don't know, but uh, Thomas know. did point out in chat all these uh, biometric methods. Yeah, they've already been hacked because, as I say, they've been around a long time. Even yeah. the iris scanners. Yeah. I don't know why it's taking the American government so long to try and bring them in. I mean, the Euro- European governments tried to bring it in. And basically, the public told them to piss off. Um. <laughs> well, you know what? We we can't even get more than a few hundred people. Well, all right, we can't get more than a few thousand people really to respond to a call to action. You can't get enough people to sign a petition to your government in your country. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, if we can't get these things to happen. I mean, I I certainly can't imagine people being up in arms about that here because yeah. they don't get upset about anything. Well, I'll say, I mean, the public over in Europe said no to all this biometric stuff at airports. That's um, a good thing. The governments are probably still doing it. So I'll well, say they've had the technology. I, I yeah. doubt they'd just go, well, we developed that. Yeah, we'll just put it away and not use it. <laughs> We spent millions of dollars building this shit, but oh well, if you're bothered by it, we just, we'll just throw it away. What are yeah. Well, for instance, you, you know how easy face, facial recognition is now. Mm-hmm. Well, hell, Genie, Genie has uh, Samsung tablets and phones. Uh-huh. They've got facial recognition software on them. You can unlock your phone using your face. Yeah, my my daughter's new iPhone does that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm starting to think the flip phone wasn't so fucking bad. Even texting on the flip phone wasn't that fucking bad. 
Oh fuck you! I don't know. I've got most of the I've got most of the fancy shit turned. I got a new phone as well. I got a yeah. Galaxy Note two. I also, I, I have also turned off most of him. Yeah. And he's like, "Why didn't you just send me a text back?" And I'm like, "I am sitting here pushing, pushing five 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 two one <laughs> five six seven. No. So no. you must have swipe on your new phone. I do. I have had swipe on all of my phones. It does. I, I like them. I like the. Only the thing it doesn't autocorrect on me. Is fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm currently teaching my phone my handwriting. Yeah. Okay. I, I I still find it quicker handwriting notes than using the damn keyboard. <laughs> Oddly, considering I'm very tech familiar, but I still. Yeah. That's why I like the Galaxy Note because you've got the proper stylus. Yeah. It works really good, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, handwriting writing recognition's been great for the last twenty years. <laughs> it's just phones got so small that. You, you couldn't use it. Anything. But now the phones have got bigger again, so it's good. Yeah, they're like a phablet. It's not really a phone. It's not yeah, really well, a tablet. The, the, I got the Galaxy 2 because it's got the 5.5-inch screen. Yeah, the Note, this Note 4, that's what Paul said. He's like, Jesus, get your phone getting big enough? I said, you know what? When I'm carrying around something that can access the Internet, I want it fucking big enough that I can look through it. You know, I yeah, don't... Yeah, my phone's got a 720p screen. <laughs> And watch films properly and everything. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm like living in the early '90s compared to you guys. Some, sometimes I even use it for making phone calls. No, I'm <laughs> I'm sitting I'm sitting here I'm sitting at a wired machine because yeah. I was always the one thing I was conscious of when I learned about the internet was that a wired machine was more secure, and you know even that is a fucking joke. But th- this is about as much as I do. You know what I mean? I, I do other stuff, but I mean, this is about as much as I do that I'm comfortable with. Um, Nothing that uses electromagnetic energy is <laughs> yeah. safe to be used. Well, I mean, all hot. of that can be read. I mean, yep. that was that's the, the really creepy part of reading all the... <laughs> did you see when the Snowden archives got released? And yeah. it's just all the compiled stories so far. So I sat down and I read that because, like, I wasn't paranoid enough, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I sat down and I read that and I'm like, oh, holy shit, man, they can read stuff. Just they can read what you type by reading it? the electric. Yeah. yeah, by yeah. reading the the electromagnetic discharge that comes off cables. Mm-hmm. Nothing you do is really safe unless it's in your head. Well, I mean, you can you can you can stop that being done, but you need to put power filters in your house that filter the power coming in on the AC. Well, I mean, and th- that's... that means they'd have to get a hell of a lot closer to see what you're doing. Um, <laughs> as it's as it stands, I, I'm they, good they... with them being further away. Well. <laughs> Without the filters, they can probably read what you're typing on your computer from about a mile away. Yeah, well, I just mean... Just by tapping it, into the right power cable. Okay. Um, Alex is ready if you guys want to do that. And that's good, because I was going to ask whether you wanted to talk about the Fourth Amendment violations, <laughs> the kid with the leaf, or how the White House celebrated FOIA Day. So, you guys get to pick the next story. Alex first. 
Okay, yeah, Alex first. Right, I'll just find him. Hang on. He's got a good name. He's at the top of the list. Yes, he is. That's that's <laughs> <laughs> makes him everybody's favorite guest. <laughs> and he's on. Hello. Hi, Alex. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Um, welcome to the CASA update for March 23rd, 2015. Hi, Alex. You've been super busy, haven't you? Yes. Have you slept <laughs> any? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I force myself to sleep every night. Um, you have to do that. So Yeah, you do. <clears throat> okay. Um, should we start at the top because <laughs> it's been a pretty busy week there is there is no top anymore <laughs> okay so start big. somewhere in the list where you feel comfortable um well i should start with texas um texas is going to have a hearing tomorrow um at uh, i believe eight o'clock in the morning um and uh we actually have, there is an organizational meeting tonight. If you're in Texas and listening to this, uh, you have about an hour before it starts. Um, that is at the Driscoll Hotel, upstairs in the lounge area, 604 Brazos Street, Austin, Texas, 78701. Um, and uh, they will be discussing strategy and, and, and what people should be testifying about. And, um, yeah, things are, are moving on that. Uh, there may be another favorable bill, uh, that we can kind of point lawmakers to. I'm not going to talk too much about it. Um, okay. but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. Um, but I think really importantly, um, and Julie wanted to make sure that I, I mentioned this, um, okay. uh, uh, it's very uh, heartfelt and sincere uh, kudos to the Texas Safada chapter um, who has really rallied the troops uh, oh, yeah. very, very well. Um, and uh, we've, we've, we've gotten a few pictures, I think, posted to our Facebook page um, and, and other people have sort of told us about it. But uh, the Safada vendors have um, uh, set up uh, – you know, laptops and iPads and stuff in their stores so that as people come in, they can participate in our call to action. Um, so, uh, just again, a really big thank you to, uh, the Safada chapter in Texas for, uh, getting people moving and, and, and turning out a lot of participation. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> have you opened <laughs> up the spreadsheet for your horrible list? No, I decided to keep it simple and just go with what we okay. have posted on our blog. <laughs> you guys should rename that the Click of Doom. Yeah. No, no, no. We're we're it. I call it the Horrible List because of um, Doctor Horrible single. Oh, never mind. Sorry. Go ahead. I haven't seen it. Um, I know that. Uh, let's see. Oregon was today. Um. We kind of got to this one a little bit late, but, uh, yeah, there is, I guess, a meeting underway right now in Oregon. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, there's a flavor, a flavor ban and an indoor use ban. Um, so, uh, not much to update there. I think we, uh, we may not have talked about this last week. Um, but, uh, again, this is 
so much going on. <laughs> I actually didn't get around to putting this up until sometime Sunday. Um, but uh, hopefully that got to the right people in the right amount of time. Um, Indiana is next. Um, 1432, HB 1438, HB 1432, uh, uh, must die. <laughs> okay. Uh, I will be sending out an email to, uh, Indiana residents tonight at some point, um, updating that with phone calls and emails just to kill the bill. There's really no amending it or salvaging it. It just, it needs to go. Um, <clears throat> and there's sort of that, um, I guess, legislator drama going on there where, <clears throat> you know, the bills, one of the bills, is it Yoder? Is he in the House or the Senate? I'm gonna you're these, you're gonna are so much more up on this than I am. I'm, I'm just like, I'm, what do you need? <laughs> I'll get you get what these, you need. Don't... I'm going to get these mixed up, and I shouldn't. Um, I don't even know. And I'm starting to get Utah and, and Indiana mixed up because of this kind of general... Uh, Lack of honesty. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need honesty. Look at California. They're doing fantastic. They don't need any honesty there. Oh, yeah. That's that's going really well. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, this is and this is going to go on all week. They seem to be slowly. I've totally shifted gears now. Indiana, expect an email. 1432 must die. Um, and uh, I'll just shift right into California. Um uh, we have a very brilliant member of the vaping community. Um, I don't know if I should pimp his well, name or, well, or what. But I, I don't I'll think just... someone from California, someone very tech smart, yes. good with computers, has an awesome computer desk. We'll leave it at that. And uh, has, has, has managed to put together a counter campaign to uh, California Department of Health's um, uh, still blowing smoke <laughs> campaign or wake up. I don't know what what name they're going with. Um, and uh, he managed to do this for no money uh, in, in his limited free time and uh, did it over the weekend. Um, so there is a social media frenzy happening right now. It's been going on since late last night um, to kind of shut this down. And I think, I think it's fair to say that we're not really going to be able to effectively counter this and uh, you know, television spots or print media or outdoor print media. Um, no. But uh, right now we kind of own the social media space. So that's, um, that's interesting. Um, and if for anybody that's curious, go check out, um, first not go, blowing, not blowing well, smoke. Well, dot org. <laughs> yeah. You have to go, you have to go to still blowing smoke. Dot org or whatever it is. Not blowing um, smoke. Dot org is theirs, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, still blowing smoke, still blowing smoke is the California department of public health one. If you Google it, you're not going to find it by the way, because it's been knocked <laughs> way down on the search results. Um, but, uh, 
just type it in and stillblowingsmoke.org and uh, and then get good and angry and then go check out notblowingsmoke.org and uh, feel better about your friends. Um, we can't really discount social media either because there are so many newscasts and they're like, well, we were monitoring our Twitter feed today. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. social media really has weight to it now. Yeah. Well, you can find a lot of truth there if you look hard enough. You know, look past all the weird stuff. But yeah, that that is awesome. Um, well, what? Madison, Wisconsin had a meeting that started at 530 <laughs> tonight. Um, Madison was looking at an ordinance that would require, uh, well, it would redefine um, vapor products or it would redefine tobacco products to include electronic cigarettes, vapor products, what have you. Um, and then it sort of read, well, the definition of a tobacco retail store is anybody that sells tobacco products. Um, and then um, the ordinance was, you can't be located within a thousand feet of a whole bunch of places, you know, oh, schools, yeah. libraries, daycare facilities, um, water fountains, yeah, it was ridiculous. Uh, baby yeah. ducks. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then it was also that you couldn't be less than 500 feet away from another tobacco retailer. Yeah, I think it was it, another it was, one. Yeah, it was, yeah, I was going to basically force a bunch of the vendors completely out of business there which is kind of interesting because you could be a, a, a dedicated vapor retail store and be located in a strip mall that's anchored by say a walgreens that still sells tobacco and you wouldn't be able to stay there so you you would have to actually it, it, it does, there's no grandfathering in there either so it would uh kristen added it up and she did a quick google uh map search and found nine uh, dedicated vapor retail shops that would be forced to shut down. Uh, and I think there were seven other stores that sold vapor products and tobacco that would also be forced to relocate or shut down. Um, so, uh, that's a pretty horrible ordinance and, uh, I'm curious to see how that went. When that was another one, we kind of, um, were not able to get anything substantial out until the last minute, but, uh, hopefully Madison residents would have responded I would think um, so. And then I just looked. I got a bunch of other alerts. I got a couple for, I don't know if anybody is in Brockton, Massachusetts. Um, so, there's a, Karen, there's, if you're listening, a, I, sorry. I don't, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know where Brockton is. Um, but It doesn't uh, matter. It's in, it's in the, third, the eighth circle of hell. That's what Massachusetts is. Go ahead. I haven't read the entire ordinance, um, but there's a meeting in less than an hour there. Um, so if somebody, it it might just be prohibiting sales to minors, which, um, we're we're all good with that. Yeah, that's fine. Well, (laughs) usually it's fine. Um, they, but they sneak, they, they sneak crap in. Yeah. Unless you're Texas and then you've got to make it all weird. Um, well, it's not like Massachusetts hasn't made things weird. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I was wondering, I know you probably don't want to do this, but can you talk a little bit about the FDA call to action? Hmm. 
Absolutely. Sorry, I had to get a drink of water there. Um, no, I, I, I know. I have like, <laughs> I go through about three filter bottles of water during a show. Go ahead. Um, so, um, wow. What would you, uh, where, where should I start? <laughs> um, uh, how it, to? Uh, I'll, I'll read the slight bit of background I know. And if, if you want to jump in with the how to, that'd be great. Sure. In December 2014, the FDA held the first of a series of workshops in which experts were invited to inform them about the physical characteristics of e-cigarettes. It should be no surprise that the people who were granted time to speak were largely non-experts and that the consumer representatives were closed out of this meeting. So you can change that. You can tell the FDA what you know by <laughs> Alex. Um, submitting, uh, man, anything really, I, there's so many people with so much technical knowledge of these products in the community. Um, I actually posted up, uh, an Instagram post, um, just hopefully encouraging people that would qualify themselves as an expert in the vaping gear, mm-hmm. even the liquid. Honestly, if you, if you DIY, I would think that you would have some some intimate knowledge of of uh, of, of making liquid, um, maybe you know uh, substances that you would stay away from, substances that you know are benign. Um, any general experience that you've had with that, um, perhaps the safety protocols that you use in your own um, facilities, if you will. Um, uh, yeah, and then of course you know for the rest of us like myself, who I don't necessarily <laughs> consider myself a, an expert. Um, uh, you know, I just making my how-to video. I ended up submitting two, maybe three comments where I went and uh, uh, copied the text of video reviews from you know Phil Basardo and Oh, and thank Grimsley. you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was hoping people would copy the text from Phil's videos and send them in because he's so in depth and gets <laughs> so technical and really explains so much that I know these harebrained idiots have no idea about. It's it's difficult because um, I think between the two of them, they actually have very few, and I think Phil probably more than, than, than Nick, um, because his videos are so long. I think when you upload videos and enable the closed captioning feature, mm-hmm. it maybe it takes more time to process. Right. Um, so uh, I, I think there are actually a limited number of Phil's videos that, that have the closed captioning. But you have to check, you have to look and see that the video is uh, has the closed captioning enabled, and then you can get the transcript. Oh, um, and that's wonderful. And the FDA should have to read these things. Yeah, they're kind of funny translations too. So, well, you <laughs> it's, know, it's like it's it's like Google uh, Dictate or whatever the Google app is that does it. Um, so you, you get some very strange words, but it's still to sit there and have an FDA intern have to figure out what this combination <laughs> of letters and numbers actually means um, might be kind of entertaining. I, you know, the, hopefully, you know, even if they can't get through the transcript. 
there's always the video. You can go watch the video and spend the 30 minutes and, right. and but learn I mean, something. They're legally required to read it if you submit it as a document. Right. Which is all good. They need and, to read this stuff. And that, and that process, I, I, there's, there's a how-to video at the bottom of our call to action um, and, and you can take that process and apply it to, uh, say, a particularly informative uh, forum thread. Um, just, you know, copy what you want to, to, to print, print it to a PDF, name it, and upload that PDF copy of what you read in that forum post to the FDA. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should produce another how-to video for that. Oh. Um, okay. So what's upcoming besides Brockton, Massachusetts? Um, more and more comments to the FDA. (laughs) Just, you guys, you guys have till April 15th and, um, they're just, this is, this is kind of, I I don't want to. I don't, I don't know. This is this is kind of this is slightly trolling on our part. I think I um, wouldn't call it that. I, I, got, I, I I wouldn't either. It's it's you know there is honestly the potential that a lot of people submit things that are useful, yeah. um, absolutely more useful than most of what they heard at these workshops. <laughs> um, exactly. So yeah, the more the merrier, the more likely we are to get stuff in there that's of value. But uh, just to emphasize that everybody said we have forty, we're, we've got forty-seven thousand members right now. I, I I would love to see that same number of of comments on this this particular docket. Mm-hmm. Um, so man, that's that. Um, what did I said I said Indiana. Um, I need to give a little bit of a boost to New York. We uh, issued a call to act. New York was like one of the first three that we issued this year. Mm-hmm. And um, nothing's really happened um, in terms of bills moving anywhere, things being assigned to committees. Um, but, uh, you know, the closer we get to the middle of the year, things start to happen there. So um, just everybody in New York should really be uh, – on their on their on their guard, and, and if you haven't already participated in the calls to action, um, and I, I I don't know how much updating we actually need to do on those, but uh, people in New York should not be falling asleep, um, and uh, things are happening in Hawaii. Um, we issued a really brief update. Um, I believe for a hearing that was happening today. Um, yeah, there's a hearing that happened today. Um, everybody in Hawaii, please uh, just check in with Hawaii Vapors United. They seem to be um, pretty on the stick with what's going on there. And they have, you know, Hawaii legislature has this feature where you can basically submit your testimony, you know, right there on the page online. Um, and, and the Hawaii vapors have developed a tool that connects you straight through that page. Um, so that's, it's very useful. And, uh, I hope that a lot of Hawaii advocates take advantage of that. (sighs) 
I don't, man, I just don't know what else is going to happen this week. Um, uh, not much, I hope. <laughs> well, I don't want to get soft. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, another local alert uh, that I just saw this evening. Um, I know I'm going to say this wrong. The Cleburne, Cleburne, Texas. Cleburne? No, it's, it's not an O, it's a U. C L E B U R N E. Clayburn, yeah. Clayburn. Yeah. Um, this is similar to <clears throat> what we talked about in Asheville. Um, they're proposing an ordinance um, that kind of allows businesses to prohibit or allow smoking in their property. Um, basically you just have to post a sign. Uh, but as far, I just read over this very quickly. Um, but, uh, it, it doesn't separate electronic cigarettes from smoking. So if you prohibit smoking, you're also prohibiting electronic cigarettes, which doesn't really work if you're a vapor shop and you don't want people smoking in there. Um, but you want people to be able to use an electronic cigarette. Um, so I haven't sat down with this yet, but um, this is, I, I, I find this stuff to be interesting because it's a lot closer to how I think cities should be dealing with this. Is well, you, you, you add that extra layer of, you know, empowerment to the business owner. I mean, a business owner can prohibit smoking or vaping on their property if they want, but, you know, people seem to think that they need the, the backup of the city. Oh, Which is that they me? Don't. <laughs> no, that was very... No, and, they don't... Uh, yeah. Go ahead. But, yeah, you know, this, this works in that way that the city will back you up and there are, you know, consequences to violating the rule and, um, you know, but you're still left to kind of decide on your own. Um, but as long as the details get hashed out in that whatever policy that separates, you know, smoking and vaping, then I, I would think that that would be somewhat acceptable. And I'd love to be able to hold this up around the country as model language, you know? Yeah. I mean, but that's exactly how it should be being dealt with. You pay your taxes, you know, it, you basically own your own business. You should have the right to say, we will smoke here. We will not smoke here. That's a very... Um, libertarian way of handling things, but it's also the adult way, I think, yeah. to handle yeah. things. And it's a shame more governments don't think that's the way things should be handled instead I, of infantilizing thought, the issue. I thought that the adult way was to spend millions of dollars on a misinformation <laughs> campaign <laughs> with slick videos and, uh, Oh no! You know what the adult Stop. way of <laughs> the adult way of handling things is to hold a freaking press conference and talk about how important it is to to harness social media and say that you know as it's very important for people to get a non-smoking message. You're going to partner with Tinder to put your message out there. These are the same people who have come up with the still blowing smoke campaign. So they are 
Isn't is Tinder is isn't that like yes. a adult is that like a more but sophisticated adult that's friend a, finder? That's that's a hookup app, yeah. Nice. So yeah, <laughs> California Public Health is partnering with Tinder to spread their message. So that's that's good to know. So is does Tinder advocate safe sex? Or is I, that you know, like or is it that con, do, do condoms lead to sexual <laughs> promiscuity? See, I think and, and I think babies. that sounds more like their message though, doesn't it? More babies. More babies. <clears throat> More babies to protect and justify higher taxes on reduced harm. More baby better. means more money in pharma and medical research, though. Mm-hmm. Yes, as well. Yeah. More, more people to soak the ever-loving crap out of for tax money in the future. Sounds like a plan. Um, so, basically, it's legislation, legislation, legislation. Um, if you, well, that's, if technically, you, that's my job. I know. If you, if you give me a list of, of what you need, I'll, I'll work on it later. Okay. Well, fortunately, right now, today, that list of local stuff is down to one. Um, okay. I, I think there's maybe, maybe two. Um, okay. It's just, let me get that up. I'm, I'm sorry. This seems to be taking more time than I had intended. Um, <laughs> Julie, okay. Julie's going to go through all of this and just curse me for letting this go on for so long. Um, well, that's kind of my fault, too, but I, I'll I'll go through and do what I did with the last one and just tag all the stuff that we talked about so that she has an easy time finding it <laughs> when um, she goes to transcribe it. Yeah, so, so this one will just be a name without a link because I won't get this out uh, yet, but uh, it okay. looks like April 15th, El Cerrito, California, California. will be uh, looking at an ordinance. We anticipate an ordinance um, will be coming uh, that would prohibit the sale of flavored tobacco products. Um, samples. This is another. This is another ordinance like uh, Madison, thousand foot buffer. Um, uh, a thousand feet between tobacco retailers and five hundred feet from schools. Um, so what they it's okay to be close to the kids, but you don't want tobacco retailers negatively influencing each other. Well, if you have too many of them in one place, they must open a vortex. That must be the problem. Right. Satan comes through, eats (laughs) children. It's, it's been documented. Uh, (laughs) It's a horrible mess. Sorry. uh, I shouldn't laugh at this stuff, but at least there's still humor to be had. You have to, or you cry. So it's just the deal. Um, so anyway, El Cerrito, California, if you're out there, uh, pay attention, watch your city council, maybe just attend a hearing, bring a book. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, what else do I have? Yeah. Sorry. Thanks for your help on the New Jersey thing in Princeton. Um, I don't even know what I, I, um, I, I found the, um, I found their, uh, the way that they, uh, they have their um, email set up, so I did that too. So, but I've got to I've got to edit that document before you can do anything with it. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, yeah, so they're doing the Tobacco Twenty One. Yep. Um, I guess that's it. 
that's all I could find because you can't they don't have the link to the legislation because it's too easy for you to prepare for that if the legislation is out there like we saw with New Orleans right. when I was ready to do something with New Orleans but until like eight hours before they were going to go and talk about this stuff they didn't have the legislation up anywhere and they all do this and they all pretend that they're advocate they're doing the open government thing and following the sunshine laws and they're not they're deliberately handicapping handicapping advocates who would go and protest these things by making it hard to find the information well i'm just saying from my experience this is a first reading um and it's tobacco 21 which i would raise the age in new jersey it's 19 so i would raise it up to 21 in princeton um which, of course, would most likely cut out uh, anyone between the ages of 19 and 21 or 19 and 20 year olds who are already smokers who might choose to use a low risk smoke free product like snooze or electronic cigarettes. Can you tell I've been writing copy for these calls to action for three months? I um, can. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so uh, that is happening on Thursday at 7 30. Um, anybody in Princeton, New Jersey wants to go hang out aboard a health meeting? <laughs> it sounds like a fun time. It sounds like a fun time. Go on Thanks. down. Go on down. You know you want to. <laughs> it's nothing but fun at those things. It's nonstop um, fun. So maybe I will be able to get something out for that. Um, but uh, Yeah, just um, when I get done here, I'll go edit that. It, it won't take me long. Cool. Thank you very much for your help. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. And um, I want to thank the, the other person on your team for helping. I know Angela. Right, Angela, thank you very much. And poor Julie was helping too. And I know she didn't want to. So thank you, Julie, as well. Um, everybody's working really hard and going without sleep to put these local alerts and calls to actions out for you. So, you know, please join CASA if you haven't already. Submit your testimonials to testimonials at casa.org. Join us on our Facebook page. We are CASA. We CASA.org on Twitter. Or we're CASA Media on Twitter. CASA Media, yeah. We're CASA Media on Twitter. We're CASA Media on SoundCloud. So... Come and join us. We're also Casa Media on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, on the horrible <laughs> photographic thing that Alex does. We're also Casa Media on that as well. So come join us. Thank you, Alex, for everything you do. And I'm going to let you go do something normal since there's really nothing pending, I hope. <laughs> it's all pending. It's all there. I'm, I'm I know, but... That first, uh, Go watch Game of Thrones or something. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. You too. Thank you. It uh, it felt weird doing that in the middle of a show. Switching gears like noise interruption. I forgot to mute something. That's okay. <laughs> okay, so I gave you guys... I know, I'm switching from one thing to another. 
Um, but we want to talk about the little how- fucking leaf because this is just so asinine. Okay. <laughs> 11-year-old boy suspended for a year for possessing a leaf that repeatedly tested negative for pot. The school's zero-tolerance policy applies to both actual and fakey imitation drugs. An 11-year-old Virginia boy was suspended for 364 days after being caught in possession of a leaf that, as it turned out, repeatedly tested negative for marijuana, the Roanoke Times' Dan Casey reports. Last September, officials at Bedford Middle School learned of a rumor that a student was bragging about having marijuana. When the vice principal searched the student, he found a lighter and a, quote, leaf in the boy's backpack. And in accordance with the school's zero tolerance policy, which applies to both actual and looky likey or imitation drugs, suspended the boy for a year. The vice principal and school resource officer also contacted the police who filed marijuana possession charges against the 11 year old. However, when the prosecutor had the leaf tested on three separate occasions, the test came back negative for marijuana. The boy's parents, both of whom are teachers, have filed a federal lawsuit against Bedford County Schools, claiming that the assistant principal, Brian Wilson, resource officer at M.M. Callahan and operations chief, Frederick Dwight, going to go with that as being his name, violated their son's due process rights. Quote, essentially, they kicked him out of school for something they couldn't prove he did, their attorney Melvin Williams told the Roanoke Times. The field test came back not inconclusive, but negative, he continued. Yet resource officer Callahan went to a magistrate and swore he possessed marijuana at school. When the boy's parents were contacted by the school and asked what happened, they were told different stories. First, Vice Principal Wilson told the boy's mother that he had been showing the leaf on the bus on the way to school. Then she said, he told me, her son, had been seen in the bathroom with a marijuana leaf and a lighter. Wilson later said that her son had been seen in the classroom with a lighter and a leaf and had been bragging about his family having marijuana growing in our backyard and that his dad knew about it and didn't care. According to Wilson, the boy claimed to have no idea how the leaf got into his backpack. When his mother asked to see the leaf, she said she was allegedly told that it's, quote, already in evidence. We've never seen the leaf. He's been out of school for six months, the boy's mother said. And Jeannie. So, Go for it. <laughs> I mean, and it's just, I understand zero po- tolerance policy. I get it. Um, but, you know, he had nothing. He had a leaf. Now, There are a lot of schools, ours in particular, that do have having a lighter or matches on school property being a class three, meaning it's it's the worst offense possible. Okay, worse than murder. Well, I'm sure murder would be class three if they listed it, but they don't. Getting (laughs) caught. and And when we went over the policies at the school here, I said to them, I said, how stupid is it? That having a lighter or matches on school property is a worse offense than being caught with tobacco, which, by the way, is a level two offense. And they said, well, what what do you mean? Why? (laughs) He said, it's not illegal for an 11-year-old to go buy a fucking lighter. It is illegal for them to have tobacco. Explain this to me. 
well, you know, they, they, they could start a fire. I said, when has that ever fucking happened? <laughs> well, um, um. <laughs> so then you got these morons at the school district that tested the leaf and found out that it's nothing. They didn't just do it once. They didn't just do it twice. Three fucking times. And this kid is still suspended from school. How absolutely ignorant is this school district that they suspend a kid for telling a lie? Well, I mean, please let's not forget the school system in Texas that suspended the boy for having the one true ring. That happened. Don't forget the little boy who got suspended from school for chewing his Pop-Tart in the shape of a gun. Don't forget that. Don't forget the kid who got suspended from school for pointing a pencil at another kid in a threatening manner. These things happen all the time. Zero tolerance is insane. Yeah, you'd have great fun. Yeah, A kid who's <laughs> pulled the core out of an apple and has a big <laughs> pen. What would the teacher do then? Yeah. <laughs> Not that yeah, I'd know you, anything about that sort of thing. Yeah, but you're, you're you're assuming the teacher knows what you do with that. Yeah. Or let's see, not just that. What um, if you got tin foil in your bag? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's where I was gonna go. Tin foil and a, a toilet paper tube or a, metal yeah. mesh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't have any of that. Good God, um, it's just amazing to me. And this stuff is happening all the time here. Uh, yeah. Last night, and I didn't put it in here. I probably should have. Um, very. Did you read the story about the? What was it? I think the mother is from Scotland, where Children and Family Services said she was too stupid to keep her children because she couldn't spell large words. You, and they yeah, took them you, away you from hear her. About stories like that, yes. Yeah, but you know. That's fucked up. Yep. Take kids away from people who love and care about them and put them in foster homes. I don't understand that. Well, well one that doesn't get talked about, well, not much, right? Everybody goes on about how lovely Ireland is. Mm-hmm. They were still taking children away from single mothers <laughs> up to the 1980s. Well, I mean... It's like, oh, you're a single parent, you... Sh- you you're sinful. You shouldn't have children. Well, here in, in North Dakota, I believe, until 1972, they were still doing the eugenic sterilization. Yeah, they were doing that in Ireland as well. So, I mean, there's no place on earth that's safe from that. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's all part of the same mindset. It's it's the same mindset that says, I know better than you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's the when, same. It's when the Puritans end up in charge. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And they're in charge now, and they need to go the fuck away. But in order for that to happen, you need to care enough to say something. Yeah. <laughs> so say something. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. How do you know when warrant tweaks are really bad? I know they're really bad when Google says, holy shit. (laughs) Okay. Google says proposed DOJ warrant tweaks are monumental, monumental Fourth Amendment violation. 
The Department of Justice has been working to revise a federal criminal procedural rule to make it easier for judges to issue search warrants outside of their geographic districts of influence. The idea is to facilitate remote FBI searches of digital data. But Google and other groups have constitutional concerns. The proposal to a Judicial Advisory Committee has been in an open comment period that ended Tuesday. Would have been nice if I knew before that. On Friday, Richard Sidalgo, oh, I think I got that right, Google's Director of Law Enforcement and Information Security submitted a letter detailing Google's concerns. He writes that the change could have much bigger constitutional, legal, and geographical concerns than the Department of Justice is acknowledging. The proposed change is in Rule 41 of the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure, which details geographic constraints on the areas where judges are allowed to approve search warrants. The DOJ wants the judges to be able to issue warrants even if the source of a botnet or other anonymous action is unknown. In response to its public concerns, the DOJ writes... The existing rules already allow the government to obtain and execute such warrants when the district of the targeted computer is known. Thus, the issue before the committee is not whether to allow warrants to be executed by remote search. It is whether such warrants should be precluded in cases involving anonymizing technology due to a lack of clearly authorized venue to consider warrant applications. But Google says that the proposal is too broad and could have unintended consequences, problematic impacts. It adds that if such a change is to be enacted, it should come through Congress, not a DOJ proposal to a Judicial Advisory Committee. Sodalgo notes, while the proposed amendment purports not to substantively expand the government search powers under Rule 41, it in effect does so anyway. The proposed amendment is a substantive change that opposes upon constitutional rights of targets. Sidalgo also points out that the charges could easily lead to remote searches of computers outside the United States or in places where U.S. law enforcement does not have jurisdiction. He also adds that millions of Americans with computers impacted by cybercrime could have to endure digital searches as law enforcement attempts to track an anonymous actor. The National Journal notes that Amy Stepanovich, the senior policy counsel for the Digital Rights Group Access, said at a proposal reviewing, review meeting in November, I empathize that it is very hard to get a legislative change. However, when you have us resorting to Congress to get increased privacy protections, we would also like to see the government turn to Congress to get increased surveillance authority. That's a, a nifty thought letting Congress do what it was meant to do. In addition to Google's letter, there were more than 30 others that submitted during the open comment period. Groups like the ACLU, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, yay, and Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press. The Judicial Advisory Committee will make a decision about the proposal in the next few months, at which point it will be reviewed by other groups, including the Supreme Court and Congress. Congress has seven months to address the proposal, but if it doesn't, the revision will automatically go through. Isn't that nice? No. I know. I know it's not nice. Uh, why, why do I suddenly see Anonymous is going to be rather busy screwing up their computers? Because <laughs> that's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> 
That but is yeah, that, what that's they... basically they're trying to amend the law so that they can search places they don't know they need to search. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. So they can take everything. And, yeah. you know, when they're looking to do it, they've already done it. Yeah. You know, they just don't, they don't want it known that they've already done it. They just want to go, whoa, well, you know, uh, we, we had, we We're had covered permission. covered by this rule. Yeah. We, we had permission for that. <laughs> it, yeah. It's, it's a nightmare. It's, okay. it's sophistry of language is, uh. Yeah. That's how bureaucrats like it, isn't it? Well, bureaucrats like to hide stuff. They like yeah. to hide all the really evil stuff and stuff that's really fucking boring. So if you hide evil stuff and stuff that's really fucking boring, no one's going to pay attention to it. And that's what they're counting on. That's exactly what they're counting on. They don't want you to pay attention to what's going on. Because if you do, you will say something. Because it's just too egregious to ignore. Okay. Um, EPA, Genie, or no? Sure. Okay. The EPA will monitor how long you spend in the shower. It's a good thing Uncle Sam is looking out for your best interests. If it weren't for him, you might spend too long in the shower the next time you stay at a hotel. What? The Environmental Protection Agency wants hotels to monitor how much time its guests spend in the shower. The agency is spending $15,000 to create a wireless system that will track how much water a hotel guest uses to get them to, quote, modify their behavior. Hotels consume a significant amount of water in the U.S. and around the world, an EPA grant to the University of Tulsa reads. Kind of surprised it wasn't University of California. Quote, most hotels do not monitor individual guest water usage, and as a result, millions of gallons of potable water are wasted every year by hotel guests. The proposed work aims to develop a low, a novel, low-cost wireless device for monitoring water use from hotel guest room showers, it said. This device will be designed to fit most new and existing hotel shower fixtures and will wirelessly transmit hotel guest water usage data to a central hotel accounting system. The grant language doesn't specify exactly how the government would, quote, modify your behavior in terms of water usage, but it's not hard to speculate. I imagine we'll be seeing a warning at check-in saying that X number of gallons of water usage in room per night is the standard covered by your reservation. Any more than that will result in a surcharge with a portion of that going to the government and the remainder going to the hotel. You need to do that in order to get the Hotels Owners Association to buy in and lobby on behalf of the EPA. The sad part is this discovery that water conservation is actually a problem in some areas, and it's one which the EPA, were it properly run and focused, might be able to help with. Fresh water supplies are strained in a number of areas where the population has outpaced reserves, with Southern California being a prime example. The agency could provide guidance, not regulations, to states with specific engineering, scientific and engineering data designed to help them be more efficient rather than trying to influence the shower behavior of tourists. It's not difficult to imagine water recycling and retention technology, which could be phased into building codes, making cities more efficient in their usage. Any approach, such as I just described, would be more palatable, or at least possible, than behavior modification. Speaking from experience, anyone who has ever served on board a Navy vessel at sea can tell you about Navy showers versus Hollywood showers. My dad got to 
take a, a few trips on Navy boats being in the Marines. And yeah, those showers were not well spoken of. Um, the former is a practice of turning on the water for 10 seconds to wet yourself down, shutting it off while you lather up, then turning it on for another 15 or 20 seconds to rinse off. It's not a particularly pleasant experience. The nice part about getting to see the wording of this government grant is that we finally have an example of their coming clean and defining the business they wish to be in, behavior modification. In the view of big government specialists, you are usually the problem when they address any challenge. And since you are the nail and they are the hammer, it's their job to correct your behavior. We can only wonder how many more grants such as this one are floating around out there. Admittedly, one of the best things about staying at a hotel for me is the endless supply of piping hot water and the fantastic water pressure. Of course, like so many things, this too must be stomped out by the long reach of the government. Thoughts? And next, the return of chamber <laughs> pots. <laughs> Only if we can toss them out the window, but we've got to actually do that in California when Glance walks by. Yeah. But yeah, if they start monitoring your, your water usage that closely, yeah, people will start using chamber pots again. Ugh. I'm saving a litre of water by not flushing <laughs> the toilet. Yeah. Ew. That's just disgusting. <laughs> Jeannie, any thoughts? No, I just I just think this is going to be one of those things. This is step one into yet another tax that they're going to tack on to your hotel room. Um, you know, <laughs> and I figured that shit out. When, where did I go? Oh, VCCNE, when I went to New England. Mm-hmm. Now, Jan, I spent two nights in this hotel. There was like $68 in tax. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was fucking ridiculous. But yeah, I would really like to get a good grasp on how exactly it is that they're planning on modifying behaviors because that is maybe 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 if you're in the shower too long this device gives you an electric shock well well, that that would be more extreme but the the less extreme one is the same bit they've added into the piping that's got the flow rate meter measuring the water flow has a valve in it that just shuts the water off wouldn't that be lovely if you have really long, like, waist-length hair or something? Getting the water shut off on you trying to rinse your hair. That'd be Cause, yeah, the, fantastic. Yeah, again, all, all this technology already exists. It's just not being used for this. <laughs> not yet. No. Yeah. Not yet. Give it time. Um, it's just... And they're absolutely right. The government thinks that you're the problem they're a hammer you're a nail, you will comply the government thinks you're the problem and they want their lawn looking green so (laughs) you have to use less water very true, that is very true especially in California, we've talked about that before okay, here's one for Jeannie she'll like this one (laughs) ATF director resigns amid controversy over backdoor ammo ban The director of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, and we only need a few more initials and it can be something really dirty for their acronym, 
resigned suddenly on Friday while the agency is still reeling from its failed backdoor ammo ban of the popular 5.56 M855 bullet. It is unclear if Todd Jones' departure is at all related to that proposed ban. A statement released by the agency only said that he will resign effective March 31st to pursue opportunities in the private sector. ABC News reported that Jones will take a job in New York City, possibly with a professional sports league. Whatever the reason for his departure, the 57-year-old Jones leaves the agency on a sour note after the ban attempt. With backing from the Obama administration, the ATF sought to prohibit sale of the M55, the so-called green tip, out of fear that they pose a risk to police officers since they can pierce bulletproof vests. Here's a newsflash, so can arrows. Green tips were approved by the ATF in 1986 and have become more popular for use in the AR-15 pistols. Most people have an AR-15 rifle, not the shorter AR-15 pistol, because... Never mind. The agency offered a comment period from the public, but did not advertise the proposal. Gun rights groups such as the NRA and numerous lawmakers pushed back heavily on what was characterized as a backdoor ammo ban. That outcry forced the ATF to temporarily table the idea. But Jones did little to assuage these groups' fears after a ban was shelved. Last week, he told the Senate Appropriations Committee that all five, five, six rounds pose a challenge for officer safety. That statement was interpreted by many as an indication that the administration has planned to ban more than just the M55. Jones has served as a director of the agency since July 31, 2013. He was nominated by President Obama in January of that year after serving as acting director since August 2011. ATF employees are hardworking, dedicated individuals who serve the public to make our nation safer every day, he said in a statement. I've seen firsthand their extraordinary commitment to combating, who's laughing, violent crime, ridding the streets of criminals, oh, fast and furious, and leveraging all available resources to keep our communities safe. Jones will be replaced by current ATF Deputy Director Thomas Branson. Brandon. He's been with the agency since October of 2011. Throughout his tenure as the director of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, Todd Jones had cemented his reputation as an exemplary leader, a consummate professional, and an outstanding public servant, Attorney General Eric Holder said in a statement. Holder also said that Jones has made several bold changes, advancing forward-looking policies, and taken innovative steps to strengthen the ATF's investigative capabilities, including ballistic imaging technology that recently played a critical role in the investigation of the shooting of two police officers. And Jeannie. Oh, you know, and it, it points out, and it just screams at me, this guy started with the ATF when, Jan? 2011. And the guy that's going to replace him started with the ATF when, Jan? 2011. None of these motherfuckers seem to have a very long career with the ATF. Do you think it has anything to do with all of the really stupid fucking shit the FDA, the ATF has been doing lately? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Well, when Probably. it comes to the fact that, oh, that ammo can puncture a bulletproof vest. It's like, so can a knitting needle. What the hell? <laughs> well, you know, I just haven't figured out how to fire those from a bow yet. I'm kidding. Oh, knit, knit and needle, you can fire those from an air gun. Oh, nice. See, not, that's, not that you, I, you've solved that for me. 
<laughs> not no, I know things like that, obviously. Not that um, you'd have any experience with that or have any clue about that. It's just you've heard Not that talk, everybody right? in my family had knitting needles, and I was the only one who didn't knit, but used to be famous <laughs> sometimes with knitting needles. Um, <sighs> I don't know. It's It's ridiculous. Everything they want to ban, everything they want to take away, it's all things. They could hurt you. They could hurt you. They could hurt somebody else. Okay. I grasp that. There's a lot of things that can hurt people, that can hurt a lot of people, that can hurt people that are just out there looking out for your safety. Yeah. Okay. But are we supposed to be wrapped in bubble wrap and not move around too much for fear that it'll hurt somebody? Do you really want to live like this? Well, and see, and here's the thing. And I said this the other day. Somebody's like, well, you know, I mean, and this stuff is, it's, and they were bitching about e-cigs and they're like, nicotine is a poison. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I have deadly nightshade growing in my yard. It would be a easier for me to poison somebody with a, with a deadly nightshade berry than it would be with nicotine. I had, I used to have, I don't anymore, but I used to have foxglove growing all over the place, Jen. Oh, Digitalis. Digitalis yeah. is well. I mean, if it depends on how, yeah, it depends on how you're going to use it. You can kill somebody with it. You can save their life with it. it, I mean, it all depends. You know, if they're going to start banning all these things because they have the potential of harming someone, well, mm-hmm. then build the fucking robots to take over the planet right now because humans have the potential to harm. To harm other humans. Are we going to start banning people? Oh, wait. We do that. Well, now. you know. But come on turn now. The film surrogates. Everybody sits on their little couch at home controlling their robot. Well. Running around outside. Because everything's dangerous. The word potential is used anymore as as the fallback to well, save. It, you, you know, yeah, save the children. But my, my favorite thing with all this legislation, everything that's come about is that it's always about, well, we're afraid it could hurt the children. Well, really? Are you really? Do you really give a shit about the children? Because I've got to tell you, I have a niece who grew up pretty close to me during this whole nobody loses, everybody's a winner, even if you're 100th place in the race, everybody's a winner, um... Nobody competes. Everybody's equal. Uh, take no risks kind of culture. She's a fucking airhead. And she's the kind of airhead who's at 21 you have to tell to take a fucking shower. And I'm not saying that every child will grow up this way. But a lot of them have. And it's because they've never gotten hurt. They've never been challenged by anything. They've been wrapped in bubble wrap and told not to move around too much. That's not a way to live. No one wants to live like that. Do they? Not me. Not me either. So, I guess that's where we are. We are, well, actually... We are at a place where the government thinks you are a nail and they are the hammer. And you will comply with their wishes. They will modify your behavior. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like if they modified my behavior to drink fluoride that I don't want. 
Well, they'd like to modify a lot of our behavior. So, oh, um, I don't know. Did anybody get to see the horrible, horrible videos from the latest World Health Organization conference? Or am I the only one who sat there and tortured myself watching those horrible things? I saw some of them. Yeah. I didn't watch any of them. I, I, did, I didn't watch any of them because you were like, Jeannie, this shit will make you sick. <laughs> it's, it's bad. It's bad. It, it's really bad. Yeah. I've never... These people are fanatics. And they're the same kind of people that want to ban anything that could harm somebody. Anything. So, I mean... One of the last things I saw the World Health Organization talking about before they went off on this little jaunt to Abu Dhabi was they were focusing on drowning control measures. Water now. Water really? Yeah. Swimming. Because too many people drowned. Hmm? I just heard the Skype fail message. Oh, um, so I hope that last part went through about them with their drowning control program. Yeah. I don't know. Just all seems so crazy. You know, there's many more of us than there are of them. And that's true for the government. That's true for, you know, people like the World Health Organization that hold themselves up as role models. That's true for people like Bill Gates and Bloomberg. That's true for all these people. There are a lot more of us than there are of them. We just need to stop being kicked. Tell them no. We can do that. (sighs) I don't even think I want to end this with the Patriot Act story. And it's really sad because I really like Marcy Wheeler's Empty Wheel blog. It's a really good blog. But I, you know... Well, you know what? A lot of this stuff is pretty much timeless. I feel like I could read the same fucking story every week. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess we could save it for next week. Um, Time for an advert? Yeah, advert. Advert. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. AmmoSeek.com. And uh, we'll see you next week. Good night. Thanks for listening.